Welcome to It's Become a Whole Thing, a podcast that takes a highbrow look at the lowbrow trash we love. I'm your host, Emily Rose, and each week we'll tap into the cultural zeitgeist by looking at the best and worst moments of TV history. Because here, we contain multitudes and read between the lines. Join me. Well, hello, and welcome back to the It's Become a Whole Thing podcast, where we recap the best and worst moments in TV history. I'm your host, Emily Rose, reporting live from a closet at my cousin's house. Um, uh, I decided to break the fourth wall this week. Uh, I know a lot of you think that podcasting life is super glamorous, um, but I'm just going to be real and tell you that the reality is that it's not. Sometimes it's not. Um, I'm looking after my little nephews, they're three and seven, while my cousin uh, and her husband are away on a business trip and I am having a good time. And also there is uh, very little left of me at this point. We're on day five today. Um, There's very little left of me emotionally and uh, actually just emotionally. Physically, we're we're here. We're doing it. Um, I'm heading back to Montreal um, where I'm going to crawl back into my little hole. I will be going for some troll strolls. Uh, I realize that if you're new here, you know, I welcome everybody as trolls. Uh, you might be wondering, what do I mean? Why would I say that? Uh, well, the whole troll mentality really comes from originally troll strolls, where, like, I just felt like we needed a counterbalance to the hawker walk. Um, so basically, you know, the central tenets of it is that you walk around in whatever version of an Adam Sandler outfit, you know, whatever that means to you, look generally unapproachable. There's no minimum distance or uh, requirement to think empowering thoughts. And I would say a bonus, it's not necessary, but highly encouraged is both an animal and heading to uh, get a treat along the way. So you can see how this really extends itself to basically a whole lifestyle. This attitude can be brought into all things. Um, and at the end of the day, anyone within this group of trolls living this lifestyle, we're actually the secret hottest ones in the room. Like, we're not interested in proving it to anyone, um, but that's really our truth as well. Like, that's also, like, that's deep within it. Am I making... Am I... Are you guys with me on this? Do you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, basically, if you're new, I want this to feel like we're all sitting down together. I wanted to catch up anyone who's just jumping into this mess. Um, you know, so just grab your emotional support beverage of choice, whatever's within reach, and uh, let's have a chit chat. This week, we have Sammy P, um, my bestie in real life and on the pod, and she's with me on the Patreon pretty much every week. Um, last week, we basically immersed ourselves in Gwyneth Paltrow because we did the main episode on Goob Labs and didn't realize when we recorded that that she was about to enter into one of the most hilarious celebrity trials that has ever been her <laughs> ski collision trials. We covered that last week on the Patreon. Um, we'll be back with more deep dives and hot topic roundups this week. It's also a way to support the pod. Um, Patreon.com slash it's become a whole thing. And yeah, also 
If you want to support it in other ways, if you're not yet subscribed, if you haven't yet given me a little five-star review, those five-star reviews that I'm so, so thirsty for, um, either on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that would be fantastic. Uh, And so without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Hey, boss mamas, we're back with Sammy P in the house. Oh my God. Hi. Thank you. Hey. Hey. What's up? I'm just chilling, girl. What are you up to? Um, not too much. Uh, I'm just prepared to thrive today and live our best lives. Um, you know, yeah. Yes. Claim it. Claim it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Comment affirm. (laughs) (laughs) We'll send you a DM. No. Um, yeah, this is an exciting episode. We're going to be talking about Jessica Simpson, who she's kind of like our North Star. Yeah, she's kind of like our third musketeer. Like, she's like our other best friend. Yeah. She doesn't know that, but she means a lot to us. No, she'll never be aware of our presence, but she does get brought up like she's on the payroll for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but first, I need to check in with Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, not our girl, but certainly a topic of interest for us. I feel like we channeled the zeitgeist because we did a whole episode about her last week and her whole goop lab business. Um, And then she started her trial. And it's just it's so funny because last week on the Patreon, you were speculating as to whether she was playing 5D chess with us, like setting us up with the scandal where she's like, guys, I'm malnourished. Like, I literally am doing this podcast with an IV hooked up to my arm and then is in a trial to see whether she, you know, smash into a guy and ruined his life yeah totally (laughs) (laughs) like it is a truly bizarre trial like from trying to catch up on what i missed today i was just like what the fuck oh and it's like chicago like you know like there's so much fucking clownery going on (laughs) stunts (laughs) it is high camp yes it absolutely is gwyneth is dressed like she's in an 80s ski movie and like this trial has everything Um, it has like a man saying that he can no longer enjoy wine tastings like he used to. It has Gwyneth, uh, making wild allegations about him. Oh my God. Wild allegations. I didn't think that there would be a sexual component to a ski crash trial, but there is. I know. She says that the crash happened when he hit her crotch first, skis together in between her skis, forcing her legs apart and grunting as his crotch rubbed into her. I was like, what? This is insanity. I know. And then like, where'd he even go? Like, apparently, like, you know, we're proving this by text of Gwyneth being like, I have to call it a day early. I booked a massage because I think that guy kind of hurt me. And then she, her lawyer waved a dollar bill around the classroom being like, this is all we're suing for plus lawyer fees because we could have sued him for more because Gwyneth had to miss a half day of skiing for this. Like it rattled her. Like it's not cheap to be skiing. Up there. <laughs> no, I know. I feel like she's trolling us. She also had a mug that she was sipping from on the witness stand with mystery liquid. And everyone's like, oh, it's bone broth. I'm like, Gwyneth, you knew exactly what you were doing. She's going to finish this trial by like launching a bone broth product into all grocery stores like and she will slay. Well, she actually she tried to give out goodies. I know. She was turned she tried, down. She tried to give loot bags to the bailiffs. <laughs> and she, yeah, they said they said she wasn't allowed. <laughs> she declared to the whole courtroom, we brought treats for the bailiffs because they've been so helpful. Can we give them like I'm just asking transparently. And the judge was like, no. Anyway, 
It's like a G-spot vibrator and like some crystals. We've got some like swag for you guys. Is that weird? Some like CBD chews. (laughs) Yeah. I know. She also she also gave us a bit of Mariah Carey attitude. Like when she was asked if she felt any empathy, she said, and I quote, I feel very sorry for him. It seems like he's had a very difficult life, but I did not cause the accident. So I cannot be at fault for anything that subsequently happened to him. Oh, man, that would that would hurt. Hearing from Gwyneth, it sounds like he's had a really tough life. <laughs> sounds like you're a sad, pathetic man. Too bad I didn't cause it, but I'm ready to move on with my life. Like, I'll tell you right now. Yes, I feel very sorry for you. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like a serious, it's like there's serious matters being discussed at the trial. Like this poor guy has like brain injury or he has dementia or he has some, you know, he's He's like not well mentally, and that's sad. Um, you know, he's 76. It's hard to know at this point. Yeah. Well, he okay, for anyone who's not on the Patreon, he claims because we covered this whole trial at length, but this is our little updates instead. He claims that he got concussed and broken ribs from Gwyneth. And Gwyneth, I mean, I think she did some front loading by setting us up with her being malnourished, running on like half a cup of coffee and like some paleo yeah. roasted vegetables. Um, but yeah. She is now saying that he was grunting and pressing up against her, which is coincidentally also was the theme of last week's episode. Creepy men grunting and pressing up against women. Yeah. Oh, my God. She's like, if I'm not paying Dr. John or Julianne Huff to do this, like, I do not want a man coming out of nowhere doing this to me. Like, yeah, I could not believe the tales. And like, there's GoPro footage that hasn't been recovered that could blow this whole thing wide open. Gwyneth had an entourage with her. Like a ski instructor was alongside her when they were like, this guy's fine and skied away. Like the ski instructor should be there. I need to hear from this instructor. Yeah, they're supposed to fucking give first aid and not leave a 70 year old man with four broken ribs in the snow. Well, he's on Gwen's payroll, so he's like, I gotta, I gotta ski off. Like, I just, you know, I listen to the big uh, boss. Gwen, here. Gwen wants me to walk her coat over to the massage, so I gotta go. Yeah, she said she's a little achy, achy after today. Yeah, her children have to take the stand, Moses and yeah. Apple. No, it'll be interesting. Like, it, he could be just making a lot of this up, or it could be legit. I don't know. Yeah. But either way, they're both slaying on the stand. There's like his daughter broke down in tears um, talking about the negative effects that it's had on him. And I'm like, either he was injured and this is very devastating to her or they just know that three million dollars is on the line, in which case I could probably evoke tears. Like if, if Gwyneth Paltrow bumped into me on the ski hill, it'd be like champion music in my head. Like, <laughs> right. You're like, this is my one shot, one yeah. opportunity <laughs> to seize everything I ever wanted. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, um well, well good luck to them yeah <laughs> we'll be keeping our eyes on like the tiktok live feed of this has that been on your for you page not that much actually i need to work on my algorithm clearly well it's okay i just want the highlights um but yeah so now we're gonna get into our topic it's been much awaited it's been requested mostly by ourselves to ourselves. <laughs> it's newlyweds. And I am so excited. Where do we even begin? Um, normally, we talk about our relationship to the show. But as previously mentioned, um, we bring up Jessica Simpson a little too often. It's one of our special interests. But what was your relationship to it when it was airing? I mean, I watched it. I just I watched 
every reality show of that time, like as it was airing. Okay. <laughs> there was not one you missed. No, I rem- I would like, you know, read the TV guide and like go downstairs. I'd be like, okay, from 730 to nine, I'm watching like Newlyweds and then Survivor. Like I was yeah. on top of it. Yeah, I think I definitely missed some episodes, but like I checked in every now and then. I wasn't that interested in the show because like I found it just kind of cringe to watch like so unhappily married of a couple. I'm like, you know, like there's divorces circling me in real life. Like I get enough of that. I don't need to like. (laughs) Well, I remember at the time, like one of my biggest takeaways was like what a hot mess express she was. And like, I really saw myself in that. Like, (laughs) yeah. Oh, I find her very relatable yeah like there was this one episode where nick wanted to surprise her with a vacation or no he wanted to surprise her with like something else but used a vacation as a decoy they weren't gonna fly anywhere and he's like okay get your passport like to make it believable but she spent like hours looking through the house for her passport and like crying and i was like that would be me <laughs> <laughs> and what is your like take on her and the vision of her being a bimbo and what does the word bimbo even mean because i am like i feel like she's just an adhd girl (laughs) like yeah and i have all the same weird things that she does like i'm a picky eater i'm scared of fish i like don't know what a lot of foods are like i'm just out here yeah she's also extremely spiritual and intuitive which we learned from open book yeah she's like psychic yeah, she's very magical, very psychic, also very airy, um, yet brilliant enough to create a billion dollar empire. And she's funny. Yeah. If anyone's listening and they're of the mind that, oh, well, she's a celebrity, she had a hand to her. It's like you think about how many celebrities have brands and then how many have billion dollar brands. Oh, yeah. Most of them are like Addison Ray's makeup brand or like item beauty. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I hate that I know that. <laughs> but not many people know that. I am chronically online, as the kids say. But yeah, like Jessica Simpson's brand, it like that just shows how incredibly smart she is. And I guess I'll just say it at the top of the show. It kind of goes without saying. But if you haven't read Open Book, it's so good. As always, we recommend it on audiobook to have hear it from her herself. And I don't know. I just think about her. Like, just getting played by all these douchey guys all throughout her 20s. But at the same time, she was, like, waiting in the wings of the John Mayer concert and, like, looking around at what kind of jeans everyone was wearing. Like, she was always hustling. Yeah, she's very tapped in. Like, she's, yeah, like you said, intuitive. She knows what's going to happen next. Like, she's witchy like Pamela Anderson is. Yeah, right. And they both have that bimbo imagery. And, like... I don't necessarily relate to putting on like an act like a bimbo, but I do relate to the element that I love that people still disregard pop culture because I kind of feel like it just weeds out a lot of pretentious folks because like a lot of people think it's for like ditzy people. It's not intelligent to consume it. And I'm like, great, then move along. Like this is just for the girls, gays and they's like this is not for you. Yeah. And like no matter how smart you are, like, If you're a woman, especially like a blonde, like people are going to talk to you like you're stupid at some point and make a joke about something you're bad at or whatever. And like, I definitely get the bimbo label because I'm I'll just be radically honest. I'm bad at math and I can't drive. So that's something that's always going to be. I think you're more of a that's more of like a princess. 
<laughs> well, I seriously can't do basic math at all. <laughs> so uh, a lot of people think I'm stupid because of that. But, you know, we can't all be good at everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not good at math or um, a lot of basic tasks. Um, yeah, and so is Jessica, but she's just had a really mean husband who loved to be like, dumbass, like every two seconds. Yeah, she had a douchey bro of a husband, which we're going to talk about. Um, let's just get right into it. So the episode in question aired September 23rd, 2003. Um, the show in total aired for three seasons. Um but this was in the first season. Um, at the time, frosted lip gloss, butterfly clips. These were all the rage. So were those. Okay. How do I describe them? Those little slippers that were like mesh plasticky and had little plastic sparkly flowers on top. I don't remember. They're like slides, but they're like matte. Yeah. I don't know what they're called. They're kind of like jelly shoes, but not. Yeah. If anyone knows what we're talking about based on this description, um, great. Love that. Um, okay. The hit songs this week were great. Um, <laughs> Baby Boy by Beyonce featuring Sean Paul. Shake Your Tail Feather. Shake Your Tail Feather. Um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Just gets whiter and whiter. By Nelly and P. Diddy. P.I.M.P. by 50 Cent. Get Low by Lil John and the Yin Yang Twins. And Where is the Love by Black Eyed Peas. Things were starting to turn the fuck up in 2003. Yeah. Yeah. You either had to bust down or get like <laughs> super inspiring. Like, where is the love was around the same time. That, like, well, what'd you do if your son was at home? You know, it was a lot of just like, these are the hardships of life. And this is like what yeah. we're going to overcome. Like social awareness, R&B, <laughs> like, yeah. Very light social awareness because we were all just yeah. grinding to it. And middle school dances. What would you, I know, I know, totally. And when you let those lyrics hit you for what would you do? <laughs> it's like you're never quite the same after that. But um, yeah, so songs top tier, except for Where's the Love. I wish I never heard that song in my life. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, the Black Eyed Peas discography had like a couple salvageable hits. And then the rest, like we are better just forgetting about. I liked all their dumb songs, but... <laughs> when they tried to be socially conscious uh yeah they should have stayed in their lane um okay this is funny because the week that this episode came out i was just talking about how um back in the day when like there was napster and like limewire we were trying to figure out like didn't they sue some people and that was like the big like scare tactic or like the big myth that they were going to sue everyone for downloading seven like um Okay, so I got to the bottom of it. On September 8th, 2003, the music industry sued, quote unquote, swappers, which is what like <laughs> illegal downloaders were called at the time. And they basically just sued 261 people into the ground with like insane fines. And then that was it. They just used them as a lesson to everyone. And I remember that one of them was like a 10 year old girl. And she was like, I just love Christina Aguilera and I would never want to hurt her. And I'm sorry that I did. Yeah, they're like $100,000, little girl. You'll never work again. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like we're going to take your future from you. Like those are the most unlucky people on earth. Yeah, I know. And it was like it would be like $10,000 a song or something. Um, this is very 2003. Time Magazine's person of the year was the American soldier. That is couldn't so be now. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was a very much about the troops era. It was like mission accomplished banner behind George W. Bush. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Yes, it was very much mission accomplished, very much 
Kid Rock with his big American flag behind him at concerts. Yeah. That type of patriotism. Yikes. Um, And Taylor Swift released her debut album called Taylor Swift. And she wasn't even on my radar. Like, to think there was a time when I didn't know Taylor Swift beyond teardrops on my guitar. Oh, I did, actually, because I downloaded her early stuff from LimeWire. And so, like, I was a year... I am a year older. So I was like, I was like, I'm not 15, but I'm 16. Right. So you I knew was, how to operate Napster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I spent like hours and hours like downloading things, like getting rid of viruses that would come with it, um, like changing song titles. Oh, yeah. Um, Change, was, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it would like be like a 200 you, numbers. <laughs> you never know what info it's coming with and what it's putting into your computer. <laughs> no. Or sometimes if you get pranked and it was like some DJ being like, gotcha, like don't yeah. steal music. And you're like, damn it. Okay. Or someone being like, this is my mixtape. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Someone's trying to sell their mixtape be like, all right, I'm going to need another 16 hours. Let's do this all over again. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah i'm just gonna say on record taylor swift self-titled debut will be her last re-recording i'm gonna say it here and now let it be known this is my guess but i feel like it's right okay okay i thought that would like create waves but no (laughs) (laughs) okay well sorry i think that that is like yes kind of obvious that she will (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay well see and then when i bring out like more outlandish theories then and suddenly i'm on bath salts according to you but like when i bring out things that i feel more confident in, you're like yeah duh like we all know and so can't win I'm with sorry. you i'm sorry <laughs> it's okay it's okay i'm Hello. just excited to get into nick and jess what can i say like yeah this is yeah enough about taylor um enough about all this uh okay let's talk about this episode so at this point, they'd been married for a year. Um, I mean, they were married for a total of four years, but they were basically they never were married without the cameras really being around. Um, yeah. Papa Joe made this happen right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't believe they were married for four years. It was never happy. It was never good. I didn't realize they had this like age gap. Like it's not the biggest in the world. But when they married, she was only 22 and he was 29. Yeah, it's not the craziest age gap in the world but it's enough that one person's prefrontal cortex isn't developed and they've also been an artist since they were teenagers so they don't have any real life skills yeah Um, like it sounded like she didn't get much of an education on the road no like she can work a crowd but like operating a, a watching machine is like out of the question yeah yeah, so a big enough age gap that it definitely played a big difference in their dynamic. Um, so we start the episode with a little bit of <laughs> foreshadowing, setting the scene. Jess says, this is the beginning of some long separation for us. Yeah. And Nick says, things are so crazy and busy. It's hard to maintain that freshness to your life together. Um, maintain freshness. Ooh, you can- <laughs> the red flags are basically like every time they open their mouths around each other. Yeah. It's I keep thinking the whole show. I'm just like, this is what happens when you marry someone because you're attracted to them and you want to have sex. Like that's that's all they have together is they think the other one is hot. And like there's so many hot people in the world like that is not going to. Yeah. And like if you're like, we're going to be away for a long time, we got to keep it fresh. Like you're just playing house. 
Yeah. There are two people who don't know who each other is. And like when you're apart a lot, maintaining freshness, like that is like built into it. Like you're not seeing each other much. So it is fresh when you see each other, but they are so sick of each other that they just keep getting like more disconnected and more disconnected. And like, yeah, Yeah. it's It's like either like we'll miss each other. We'll be so excited when we're back together. Like, no, it's like we want to keep it fresh. Like, okay, Yeah. Um, Like maintain freshness is something you might say like on a gum commercial or if you're like 30 years into a marriage yeah like yeah and as they're talking like it's apparent they have no chemistry whatsoever between them no not at all no jess looks dead behind the eyes so does nick yeah she was just like whatever whatever when he was talking about his plans to go see her like she was checked out yeah and and i really think that even if there wasn't this show, I think that they would have been married for at least a certain period of time. And I think they would have had a similar dynamic, maybe not for quite as long as they were married. But I think that even without the premise of a show, there's still this illusion of like, these are like two hot pop stars right now. Like, oh my God, this is a perfect marriage. Like it's Justin and Brittany, but like they're actually staying together. Yeah, totally. They had a good brand going with them being together, but they could not tolerate each other. Yeah. And then um, the car arrives at the airport and Jess says, you're going to go to a club tonight? And Nick kind of brushes it off and he said he might because, you know, his friend Justin's in town. Probably not. Um, The editors then cut to Nick at a strip club and he is two sheets to the wind. (laughs) He is beyond the veil at this point. Yeah. And he's like in pervert's row, like really enjoying it, too. He's not just like at the club like and there's like dancers there and he's like talking to his friends he's like up front and personal just gawking at this girl shaking her ass yeah and gone enough that it's just like drool face just looking slack jawed and happy yeah yeah and the thing about the show is that their dynamic is so dark but this is just this is what's typical of shows at this time it has this super whimsical kind of leave it to beaver music in between every scene yeah so it'd be like him on some other planet at the strip club and then it'd be like dum 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 and like back to Jess being like I'm in New York promoting my album and Nick is in LA promoting his yeah the the editors are doing a lot of heavy lifting in this episode the The cross cut between her being like the album in this skin is just about like all the emotions that I feel inside my body and like Nick is the biggest inspiration in my life and for my songs and like he's like I swear to God, she's never picked a towel up off the floor. Like, I ask her to make me food and she makes a bowl of cereal. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Her whole thing is like these breathy, like, fantasies of, like, all these love songs that she's written about him. And him is like, oh, the old ball and chain, you know, the old trouble with the missus. You know how it is. Um, They do a quick cut of him at a press tour and he is wearing a snakeskin leather trench coat to his knees over top of a cream knit chunky turtleneck sweater and then i remembered that he wore that look in a music video that they did together where they were in the snow yeah it was like their ballad where you are and i'm like damn that was like a signature look for him like and he's he's so beefy too beefy and spiky hair and then like three thick layers of red snakeskin it's a lot yeah i feel like 98 degrees were very it was a lot of turtleneck work like, it was a lot of, like, yes. winter type of music videos. I feel like they had a Christmas album. Yeah, that sounds right. They were all wearing turtlenecks a lot. Yeah. I, they just thrived in the winter. 
it's so funny because with boy bands, I'm like, how hard can it be to find four or five guys that are cute? But like all of the boy bands have like three absolute uggos in them, including this band. <laughs> like there's Nick and Drew. Are they brothers? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then, and the then two randoms. And then two randoms that are like not even cute whatsoever. Maybe it was like the uggo executive producers putting them together who were like, we need people that are like relatable. Yeah, but do teen like twelve year old girls like to see boring middle aged men? That's what I'm saying. Is it like it's sad yeah. middle aged men putting these bands together and like I right. mean, also like dark things like Lou Pearlman, which that's a whole other topic that we're not going to touch today. Um, yeah, if you want to le- learn more about him, go listen to Beyond the Blinds because it's tragic. But yeah, it was a bunch of sad, creepy fifty year old men imagining what twelve year old girls want to hear, which was so odd, and it created also like all the music for Jessica. Um, like, I want to love you forever. She was 16 and her whole thing was that she's a virgin. But then the lyrics were like, I'll cherish every drop on my knees. Like, pour yourself all over me. It was like perverted shit for these men to be making her sing. Yeah, totally. Oh, they were always about making the 15-year-old sing perverted shit. Do you remember Manny Moore with Candy? Which is such a bob. I love that song. But it's like... I've never thought about the deeper meaning behind it. <laughs> Well, she's just like, I miss you so much. I'm addicted to you. Like, it's just like stuff that like little teen girls don't need to be like singing about or. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Gonna revisit that bop. Uh, Okay. So back to Jess and Nick are reunited. And Nick, as always, is invalidating her feelings. Uh, He's saying that he was at a dinner and she was saying that he was at the club and the Editors cut back to him at the strip club, but this time they're shaking their ass in slow motion to classical music. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I wonder if it was actually just a club club, like a nightclub, and this was some sort of like wet t-shirt contest because it did seem like he was perhaps judging them. <laughs> he had a scorecard in his hands okay. at one point. He had a literal <laughs> scorecard. Like he was like, he had a pencil and I saw like their different names. Maybe okay. it was just like a night. I don't it was, know like, if it was a strip club. But there, there was a girl stripping. There were like, strippers. <laughs> it, like, maybe it was like wet t-shirt Tuesdays or something. Yeah, but like, okay, and the girl looked like she was like a 10 out of 10. But I'm just like wondering, if I took off my clothes in the club, I'm not a, that doesn't make me a stripper. I'm just a naked person. Yeah, so there were I don't know. They were poles. Like the men were there to see. There were poles? I thought. Okay, anyway. Okay. It's not important. <laughs> there was a club. There were people stripping at it. Whether it was a strip club. who's to say yeah Yeah. (laughs) um and then and then we cut to just back to the land of wholesome just just thriving playing god bless america at a show okay i mean that's up for debate i guess i did not think she was killing god bless america and i would love to put it to the audience (laughs) yeah we need to hear from you we're gonna play it now I mean, to me, this is just Jess doing her little, her little riffs, her little ballads. 
Yeah, like she doesn't do as bad as the girl before her, which she was like physically wincing at and was like, oh, oh, gosh, she she just can't she can't find the key. Oh, no, I, I don't even hear any chords. But yeah, I you're, don't know you're one Jess... to talk pitchy McGee. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Jess found that key either. But no, um... find the note, girls, find the note. <laughs> <laughs> I agree that like whenever Nick's tribal band tattoo or his son with the Rays tattoo is visible it is a fucking jump scare oh yeah i put that in the notes <laughs> nick <laughs> nick's tattoos are a jump scare like it reminds me like that was a thing of that era yes that and the like tribal tramp stamps um was the, like the female version of those are coming back not as tribal i'm so glad i i got out of that period without doing the the sun around my belly button oh my god i thought about just... it at one point <laughs> <laughs> that is so cute i wish you had <laughs> a stretched out little sublime sun around my belly yeah that would be <laughs> that'd be a big old laugh uh, <laughs> no i had this somehow i had the sense not to um, he got he, he's he's covered them by now uh i don't know we gotta check <laughs> did he cover his tattoos maybe he's like wearing them proudly because that was his heyday like he hasn't had fame since since that era um he did change it yes but he still has the band but he's changed oh my gosh he erased the just the part of the sun that said 98 degrees just to make it a sun oh oh my god they all had matching 98 degrees tattoos Aww. on their left arm that is so cute nick if you're gonna be going on al gore's internet and saying i'm obviously nick lachey on your little netflix show you're only obviously nick lachey because of 98 degrees okay show some respect well i'm literally shocked that he still has and he has like this batman tribal tattoo across his like upper back like below his... what do you mean batman <laughs> okay well it looks like a mix between a bat can you see Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> um, the word is probably not tribal, but it looks like he was know. inspired by Ben Affleck's Phoenix and was like, do this, but smaller. Yeah. Yeah. This was a time of really bad tattoos. Oof. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think. Yes, it was. It was a time of like the fashions were good. The tattoos were not. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, the fashions. Well, I can't even come up with words. <laughs> Maybe they just make me feel warm and fuzzy and nostalgic inside and they're not actually good. Yeah, I thought it was cute how in her book she talked about how like her yellow shawl became like the it piece because she was always just like slinking around in this huge yellow like knit shawl slash blanket this season and then she sold it out. <laughs> yeah, that's just her son and cancer, I think. Her impact. No, um, that's just her like wanting to be cozy and wanting to be at home, but being like, yeah. I'll just wrap myself in a blanket because I'm having a lot yeah. of feelings. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So they argue on this couch and like she's like, it's one thing if you're working all day and we can't talk, but if you're just like playing, he's like, I was not playing. And anyway, he was at the strip club and he's being such a dick to her. And then we get the scene of like her returning home and like seeing him and Justin and like the vibes are just so off constantly. The vibes were never on. Yeah, they were never on. <laughs> they were never on. Even when they had to do their Where You Are music video, like they have like clips of them like looking off into the distance. When they're together, it just it looks like two models that were hired for the day that aren't working well together. 
Yeah. Yeah. So they have the classic like husband wife, like, where do you want to eat? Oh, I don't know. Well, where do you want to eat? Like, Nick is getting mad. Finally, she said, Tony Roma sounds good. I screamed because I thought she was saying Tony Romo, not Tony Roma, uh, who is the man she dated after her divorce. Um, but it's a different, different yeah. guy. And maybe like subliminally, her love of the ribs at Tony Roma's like helped her fall in love with Tony Romo. Like she just felt safe around him. And I actually have like to say some stuff about Tony Roma's, which is one of my favorite chain restaurants. Oh, really? <laughs> because I used to live in Windsor, Ontario, like 15 years ago. And at that time, the finest establishment in town was the Tony Romas. <laughs> Is it like an Olive Garden kind of vibe? It's like a cheaper, it's like Montana's meets the keg, maybe. But I really enjoyed some home cooked meals and mashed potatoes there. And uh, shout out because like Jessica, I love a simple, comforting pub meal at a chain restaurant just a cozy little booth and you just get tons of garlic bread just put right on the table yeah i used to love going to kelsey's and getting a hot artichoke dip with like fried pitas and then get like a buffalo chicken sandwich and just veg out for the rest of the day oh my god that's a dream incredible. meal for me yeah me too <laughs> oh my god so <laughs> i yeah i relate to jessica's palate <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I already I already ordered some comfort food of like Mexican food for three um, for just myself today. Uh, <laughs> I've hit my limit. I can't order Italian food too, but I'm tempted now. <laughs> Maybe I should be bad. I just do it. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, what's better about being in the States than all their food deliveries? I'm in like the suburbs of Massachusetts and the food is not as good. Okay, as- yeah. <laughs> as um yeah as montreal like i'm just getting comfort food because i'm pmsing and i'm just like watching my little nephews for the week um and yeah yeah (laughs) i mean they just have a lot of delivery apps but i guess you have that as well being in a big city and i have none but anyway god not this again we have to stay on yeah okay my god like everyone's like we fucking know about you guys ordering ordering food okay you love uber eats like we're like boomers we're like there's this amazing app called uber eats (laughs) (laughs) have you guys ever heard of it (laughs) okay so we're back in the kitchen with nick and jess and it's tense and then eventually jess just says when you breathe in and it hurts in your chest what does that mean and nick says i think it means you're not supposed to talk for the rest of the dinner (laughs) this was this was mental health awareness in 2003 like why does it hurt when i breathe in every anxious kid who was born in the 80s or the 90s can relate to this like they're like i don't know go back to your room like it hurts in my chest now they would set you up with like an emotional regulation coach that like lives at the school or whatever or if you're like a kid like if you're an adult you go to therapy like back in 2003 chest pains is like i don't know if you're having a heart attack like beats me i'll be shut up (laughs) yeah the amount of times he tells her to shut up um so then they you couldn't you you, all you had was to be able to type it into ask jeeves what does it mean (laughs) i know and then like one of those like ask the internet sites would pop up where people can just write whatever (laughs) yeah (laughs) all the ways you're gonna die from this yeah um so then the signature of every asshole boyfriend Jess is telling a story and she's just excited and Nick shushes her. 
He tells her she's yelling, which she's not. She's just animatedly telling a story. Um, and then as immediate karma, someone comes up and and skips right over him and asks Jess for a signature. An autograph. Oh, yeah. An autograph. <laughs> it's retro. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. Well, I, I, it is retro because at first I was like, why didn't they ask her for a photo? And then I'm like. Oh, yeah. Like, it's not everyone had a little camera with them at the restaurant, which why would they? Yeah. It was just an autograph. At this time, there were no cameras. And then by, like, 06, we had the little digitals. And then it wasn't until, like, when did everyone start having a camera phone? Like, they were bad for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So all you had to go on, like, people's word, just an autograph on a little napkin from Tony Ramos. Totally. (laughs) Totally. Um, but she's telling this story about swimming and she's just like, yeah, I'm scared of the water. Uh, cause one time I was in the lake and a, a fish head went in my mouth and like Nick's bandmate, Justin thinks it's funny and is laughing along at her joke and like speaking to her, but Nick just like narrows his eyes. Like okay, he I- hates her. Okay. I will say, okay. I'm not defending Nick, but I am saying that neither of them really seem to like each other and on top of like his assholery, there's also just is this thing when like a relationship should be over, but it's not where like anything the person says is just annoying. Right. Well, there's also are, that going on is what you're I'm being a Nick apologist and I can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, but like, yeah, two things are, are true. So after the little girl comes up with her dad and they get the autograph and just says happy birthday and they walk away. Justin's like Nick they don't like you and Nick's like well I don't like them either apparently they're not 98 degrees fans (laughs) no they're not fucking 98 degrees fans and you're like one hit nobody was nobody was I was just because basically if there was a poster that you could rip out of J14 I would just rip it out and put it on my wall like I was a straight up poser and I didn't even listen to half the bands but it just seemed cool so like I just had wall-to-wall posters like Tiger Beat so I had a 98 degrees poster, but just for that reason. I know they like sold some records, but there was nobody who was like, oh, like, are you BSB or NSYNC? Oh, actually, I'm 98 degrees. Like there was not one person. <laughs> Which is kind of where Jessica Simpson was. I mean, she was more famous than 98 degrees, but it was also at the time it was like, are you a Christina Aguilera or Britney fan? And like not that many people were like, I'm a ride or die Jess fan. Yeah. And she says that when they started, he was famous and she wasn't at all. And then as their relationship went on, she far outshined him, which is like the number one marker for celebrity divorce. Like when the wife outshines the husband, they can't take it. And ironically, a lot of it was the show and highlighting her personality and her little bimbo one liners that everyone loved. Yeah, she was cute and funny and likable. Unlike him, he just was a dick. Yeah, he couldn't put it on for the cameras. But we'll talk more about that later because she she addresses all of that in open book. Um, but they are about to go on vacation together and they're packing and she's zipping her suitcase and she says, zip me in. <laughs> and Nick very seriously says, no, I'd be too tempted to leave you in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're packing and they're like just cursed Calabasas beige empty empty cold mansion like it's just that travertine tile beige carpet nothing on the walls just white like cream walls and they have just like a rack like one of those like ikea racks where you can hang clothing they have that and that's the only item of 
furniture in the room. Like it just they really seem like two kids. Yeah. And it's so it's such an appropriate setting for their empty shell of a marriage. It's exactly a representation of their marriage. Yeah. 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 There's always clothes strewn on the floor. Like they just <laughs> Yeah. They're never there and there's nothing shared about it at all. No, there's no sense of like, oh, I'm home finally. Like Yeah. After- no personality anywhere. Yeah. I was gonna say this was before the time of Architectural Digest celebrity home tours, but it was the time of MTV Cribs. So we know that people had a nice houses or houses that right. represented their personality, at least. <laughs> I mean, people bought art and hung it on the walls. Like they have not one single thing. There's like that scene yeah. where he tries to put a couch in the house and they need like a crane to like put it in giant like overstuffed 90s leather couch yeah because you probably just like they don't know how to like pick things out like they just pick something random out of some celebrity furniture catalog and like all right yeah they're not living so then they go to the bahamas and then we get this famous scene yeah we're on the trip with jess and nick and drew and drew's wife leah or something you chinese i ain't buffalo Buffalo idiot. <laughs> oh my god. Huh? No, it's okay. But it's why they're called buffalo wings. Baby, come on, you know it. I don't know this. Because barbecue wings started in Buffalo or something like that. You know what kind of weird that buffaloes don't have wings? I'm sorry about it. And here's where I'll stand up for Jessica once again, because sometimes Buffalo really is on the menu at restaurants like Buffalo Burgers. And like, I could understand just not being totally sure what an item is. Um, Yeah, there's Buffalo Burgers all over the place. Yeah. I say something stupid like this once a week. Same. (laughs) You can't know everything. Yeah, but this was like one of her most iconic, like, oh, my God, she is a fucking idiot type of comments. Yeah. Okay. People were like, she's actually the dumbest person on earth because she doesn't get buffalo flavored wings or whatever. And Nick is in Mensa. What? (laughs) What did he do? Like, why is he above her in any way in terms of intelligence? Just because he's 31 and he's had a buffalo wing (laughs) and his 23 year old wife hasn't. (laughs) He's just grumpy and older. So people are like, he must be wiser. She's smiling and young. So they're like, dumb as a rock. Um, Yeah. Um, it's just a montage after that of them drunk arguing on the beach, smiling like for the one and only time on this vacation when they're swimming with dolphins. Um, yeah, I have more to say about them arguing on the beach. Um, okay. Like they're like wasted. And this is a fun little scene. I also I love how this episode is only 21 minutes long. They They just keep it moving. Each scene is like really short. So. Yeah, it was just interesting. She was just like, give me my blanket. And he was like, stop bossing me around. <laughs> She's like, I'm not bossing. I'm just asking, can you give me my blanket? <laughs> and I hate her because she looks so hot in every scene, including when she's wearing khaki shorts, a gray hoodie and a baseball cap in this drunk scene. I'm like, how is she so pretty? And then I remembered how like a huge part of her becoming so famous from the show was her being like a sex symbol and a beauty symbol and like how good she looks without makeup and how like amazingly beautiful she was like I I had forgotten and she kind of just like took my breath away yeah and because we always talk 
on this pod about star quality and her and Nick are the perfect example of what are two famous people, but one of them is a star and one's not. Totally. She has such magnetic charisma. Like she could be talking about anything and you're just hanging on her every word. Yeah, she is. She's magnetic. She's gorgeous. Um, So cut to them on the boat. um, And she says, there's a whole world under us of sharks and whales. Everyone's like, shut up. (laughs) No, there is. Like She's She's trying to have a fucking moment. Okay. Do you guys get that? There's literally a whole other civilization that's just as rich in biodiversity as ours on land. Like, do you guys fucking get that or what? If you're not staring out at the ocean at night, having at least like some profound thought about your place in the world, like, what are we doing here? Like what? I know. And they just don't get her. Um, so yeah, no. they fucking they go parasailing and then they go to this dolphin exploitation jail. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh god. This is this is before Blackfish, the documentary. <laughs> this was before Blackfish woke us the fuck up. <laughs> this was before we knew that these whales were killing machines. Out of necessity, <laughs> I don't blame them. They were dragging trainers down. Sorry, I shouldn't be laughing. <laughs> I stand with Tilikum. <laughs> I like yeah, he had no choice. He had no choice. But he, okay. did, he did what he had to do. But that's besides the point. She's with a bunch of dolphins. The dolphins are like propelling her up. They all get a ride on the dolphins. Like I forgot that was a th- I thought I like I know that there was places where you could pet dolphins, swim with them, alongside them, maybe hold on to one. Like I have never seen people fucking riding on a dolphin like ten feet out of the water. <laughs> that was so crazy. There was, I think, a lot more animal entertainment was acceptable in 2003. And they just enjoyed it, like, completely awareness-free. Like, nobody was reflecting on the welfare of these animals in the situation. They were just like, well, I kissed a dolphin and I rode on it. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be, like, a dream. Like, I mean, if, if it didn't involve any cruelty. No, if the dolphin really wanted to do it, like, I would love if I could share a kiss and a ride with a dolphin. But yeah. I know that they don't want that. They want to be free in the ocean with their families. Yeah. And friends. Yeah. And lovers. <laughs> they have really rich social lives. Yeah. I got to hug that dying dolphin, but that wasn't, that wasn't fun. That was just dramatic. <laughs> Wait, have we talked about you hugging the dying dolphin yet? Should I tell this traumatic story? This is not funny, but it it is funny that this is my dolphin encounter. Like, I was on vacation when I was 14, and there was a dolphin that was like, it was just, it was on a mission. It did not want to exist anymore, and it kept flinging itself onto the shore. Like, basically, there have been people that have been trying to carry it back. Sam is laughing, guys. I just need you to know that for those of you who are listening, Sam is laughing. Oh, no, no, it's not <laughs> Sam, funny. Sam thinks this is funny, you guys. Um, no, sorry. Okay, no, there basically had been. Oh my god, I can't even look at you. A whole bunch of people for three hours had been trying to carry this dolphin back into the ocean. Every time it would fling itself back, and finally they were like, "We've been doing this over and over. Like we got to just give up." But I showed up right at that time. They were like walking away, and this dolphin was on its like dying last breath, and I just like. I just like held it and I just cried with this dolphin. And I was so sad. It was so smooth. You were that dolphin's death doula, Emily. That like you held it as it faced eternity. Yeah. Yeah. Like who can say that? Baby Scorpio energy. I was like, I'm here to usher you into the dolphin afterlife. 
when you first told me that story, I could not believe you were not lying. Like I, you were like, yeah. And it, these people were exhausted after trying to carry this dolphin back like a hundred times for three hours. And this dolphin just wanted to end its own life. And they had to respect that. I'm like, oh, well, they had to tell go. me the whole story because I didn't of realize course, this. Like, Let's get back here and save the dolphin. Yeah. And they were like, well, girl, like there's nothing we can do. Yeah. This really, I know <laughs> this happened. Um, But yeah very different from this experience they're just like happy and yeah. and the dolphins are doing tricks like i'm now i'm talking about jess and nick like the dolphins are like jumping up in the air like with them on their back yeah yeah those dolphins were working hard those dolphins were strong powerful no wonder they revolted anyway then they are flying home and the episode ends with jess saying baby i love you yeah, like another thing I noticed about the editing on this episode is that they would just play the same clip like multiple times. Like they play her saying, like my shoes, like three times. And they play the same clip of a reporter like nodding and smiling a bunch. And they play Drew saying like, you guys should get a room or you have your own room or something like that, a bunch on the vacation. And I'm like, you know, it's kind of nice that at least it's like the editing is clearly done for effect, but it's not as misleading. and like dishonest because it's so in your face about them just kind of cutting around things and like but we were less discerning as watchers yeah yeah but like what struck me in her book when she talked about filming the show is actually how not set up it was like how authentic it really was to the experience they were having and like she says you know they would set up things like you guys have to go to a dinner tonight or you guys have to go on a vacation today but like that's not really a setup manipulation the way they do on the bachelor like you know or like any other like summer house even no they were really frustrated they really didn't like each other it wasn't just a little bit for the show yeah yeah and like there was nothing misrepresented about their dynamic or their relationship well and that's true for so much of reality tv when people are like it's all fake and it's like what do you mean by that though because like there's levels of it where it's like the hills like, there's just storylines that they're being given and full scenes that they have to act out and then there's just like okay, we have two people who are in an ill-fated marriage and we're just going to film them and be like, okay, Nick, like tonight you're going to bring flowers home. Right. What I would consider like deceitful editing would be to put words in someone's mouth that they were not saying to that person at that time. Or, like, or to make it look like, let's say they did really like each other. You could still find enough clips of them frowning during the day and put it together and make it seem like they don't. Yes, that would be another to like and then have both people that were there be like, I feel like you really misrepresented the overall dynamic. Yeah, well, let's talk about some of the things that she said um, in more detail in her book, Open Book, um, about newlyweds. <laughs> oh, my God. <sighs> Sorry, guys. Take a shot. at Every time I say Open Book by Jessica Simpson. So she said the first season was filmed over five months and there were hidden cameras placed in basically all corners of their mansion. Um, and the only parts that were off limits were the bedroom and the bathroom. Also unlike the bachelor with their creepy ass night cams. Uh, and they said that several of the most notable episodes of the scene were set up by producers. So like, they were like, you had to go camping, things like that. But this is where it comes into play where, this is the whole produce, not produce, that there was one point where basically like he had to play this wedding song, but he forgot what their first dance song was. And she put her head in her hands and it looked like she was mad at him. But then she later said that it was because she was frustrated that he couldn't even act the part that MTV handed to him. 
It wasn't because she was like, oh, you forgot our song. She's like, no, this isn't even a tradition of ours. I don't care. You can't even improv for the show. You can't even like shine it on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And part of that was not for the show that she just wanted him to be this guy, like this pop star hunky husband. Um, and yeah, and then like she went on in the book to describe a couple of scenes where she just said it was just sad. Like no matter how much exciting music the show could put to it, like, you know, there's this whole like Nick going out to strip clubs thing. So she jumped out of a cake for his 30th birthday and like a sexy outfit to be like, hey, I'm sexy too. And she just said it was like, it was really just sad because she was just trying to get him to pay attention to her. And it's like, when you're 22 and insecure like that, that is what you think it is to be sexy for someone. Yeah, she, she you're like, says... I mean, not that like a skimpy outfit isn't sexy now, but like there's other ways. But like when you're 22, you're like, yeah, I'll just <laughs> this little top and these little shorts and like they won't be able to resist. Yeah, like her quote that you wrote down, she says that that moment was in response to Nick going to strip clubs and bars with a group of male friends who used him for VIP treatment. There were times I tried to be sexy like that for him. I even jumped out of a cake in an outfit I thought was burlesque, but was really just sad. If I dress like these women, I thought maybe you'll look at me. Yeah. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. And later on, she talks about how this is in relation to her being a bigger star than him. She said, I didn't want to outshine him because that just wasn't what I knew. He seemed so much older than me, my guide in everything. I wanted him to feel like he could show me all that he knew about the business and about the world. And that is that shows you the difference between 22 and 29. It's legal. It's fine. They're all adults. But yeah, the 22 year old is just going to be looking to the 29 year old being like, you know, everything. Mm hmm. And yeah, and then she also said later on down the line that she filed for divorce and that Nick took it a lot harder than her. And this is where it's interesting because she, I would say, gave him as kind of an edit as she could while just describing the dynamics at the time as accurately as she could. Totally. She was very generous. Very generous. Fair. Fair to him. Yeah. A lot of the men in her life, him dad throughout the book but yes yeah but in it like she said like you know divorce was messy i wish we were the kind of people who could stay friends but we couldn't and you know i regret hurting him but then nick had his own commentary about the divorce uh later on and he like i found this okay i'm gonna read this out and i want to know what you think so he's like i'll tell you how i knew my marriage was over i was told uh, and then he said that, like, she told him that she wanted a divorce while they were in a limo on the way to the American Music Awards, which is also exactly emblematic of their marriage dynamics. Like, after the, after the American Music Awards, which I think is classier. OK, yeah. Well, I just mean, like, they're in black tie and it's like the only time yes. they've seen each other that month. And so, like, you have to get it out then. But yeah, after the American Music Awards. And he said, she said something about how we hadn't really been getting along and then said, I think I wanted a divorce. That blindsided me. I basically said, please, let's sleep on it. But when we woke up the next day, Wednesday morning, she was still sure. I don't know. What do you what do you reckon? Um, I think that that's the perfect way to ask for a divorce. But was he really blindsided? Because their marriage was dead on arrival and they were together for so long. Yeah, well, I know I was shocked. And like in her book, she describes him like coming over to her house at night and making her listen to 
mixtapes of songs he wrote about being sad about their divorce and he would just sob and she'd be like okay well bye like he was just messy and like really trying to like show her that she destroyed him and like kind of wanting her back but like kind of not really and like it's just like funny that at the end of the day you were the immature one all along yeah that's that's the gag you had your chance to treat her with respect and you never did yeah i mean they were both emotionally immature but he was not as kind about it i would say no no he was unkind to her i don't think she was unkind to him as much as i do think she did not like him that much yeah um yeah and so flash to today and they both have their own families um i actually i typed jessica simpson news into google because i'm a journalist um and (laughs) but i was so disappointed because one of the first results was jessica simpson's weight like that was like one of the suggested things yeah there were all these articles about it and i'm like we're still talking about this yeah she can never please people unless she's goes back in time and is her 21 year old self again yeah, it, to quote Britney Spears, I miss it. She's too big. Now she's too thin. Like now all yeah. the headlines are about her. Uh, oh, is she too thin? Her weight loss. And yeah, people are always like, oh, she looks scary. She looks terrible. What's wrong with her? Like she has had like hundreds of pounds of weight loss and gain. She's been to rehab. She's had like struggles with addiction. She's like 25 years older. Like, I don't know. It, it's always going to be cruel stuff in the media about her yeah and fuck off like it doesn't matter if it's like oh she's had problems with addiction in the past you don't know what someone's current medical situation is or emotional like it's it doesn't matter why are we talking about this i know i get that like her face like whatever it did look a bit off in that pottery barn video but like i there's too much made of it i think yeah i mean yeah i saw that video i didn't love it it did feel a bit concerning for me at the time but like that's the type of thing like I don't make videos about that type of stuff because I'm like that's just for people to work out in private I don't know someone not doing well medically or potentially dealing with um something either medical or addiction or who knows like mental health yeah mental health her speech patterns were irregular in that video and yeah Uh, yeah and I've seen some photos of her recently too where I'm like oh like I'm not saying like, oh, you can't think these thoughts, like whatever, you can think them. But like there's a difference between doing that and then making viral videos about it and just making it such a huge issue. Yeah, because like, yeah, she was hurt by by a lot of the things that people were saying. And and she just had to record a video of herself singing. Yeah. She channels her feelings of sadness. Yeah. Yeah. And Nick is out and about on various netflix dating shows i <laughs> yeah i find it interesting that like immediately when he was divorcing with jessica he was with vanessa uh Manio right away and they've been together ever since like she really was like i'm just like damn you think he's a good enough husband for you okay i never would have thought he would have just walked right into like a relationship with another beautiful great woman and just been a loyal husband and father for all these years i thought he was well, we don't know if he's been dick. loyal and faithful but we do know that mediocre men fail upwards in this world yeah that's that's true so that's not a surprise to me <laughs> yeah but yeah yeah you're right he landed on his feet whatever like I, I was just reminded of how much he irks me by um when i did the love is blind episode a couple weeks ago i was reminded by how at the reunion 
to that show to one of the guys who's like first marriages am i right they're <laughs> they're the dumps like second time's charm it's like just everyone knows who you're talking about and you're just saying that for your little moment of yeah. fame mm-hmm. your ego it's like let it go like Des. well i, I was gonna say jess isn't gonna rip on you she did write a very intimate vulnerable book about your marriage um yeah. but that's true yeah but she I, said she sent it to to everybody i think like ran yeah. it by and again i think she was very generous with everyone's mm-hmm. edit agree and john mayer got it the worst and he fucking deserved it and he fucking deserved it and if you disagree with us and you haven't read it go read it <laughs> or at least go read the parts where she talks about her relationship with john mayer because they are fucking wild yeah or our john mayer episode where we go over all of that oh yeah yeah, actually, we covered that. Hey, <laughs> throwback. I think it was like this time last year. Um, yeah. It's called The Roast of John Mayer. Uh, yeah. So that's about it for this week. Do you have any like closing thoughts on this this odyssey? No, just love and light to Jessica and her beautiful family. Yeah. Yeah. Love and light to her beautiful family and her hot husband. Yeah. They seem lovely together i just have to say like like i am sold on their love story i would be devastated if they ever separated yeah and like they do their little photo shoots together it's cute love and light to them and love and light to you the listeners see you next time bye this podcast is produced by me emily rose hosted by the sonar network and edited by solomon kraus and Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave me a five-star review. See you next week. Au revoir, mes amours.